Welcome to the Raise with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today, starting in 1 Timothy chapter 1. But before we get into 1 Timothy itself, just a little bit of background is where we're going to start today. Um, unlike Paul's other 10 letters, the pastoral epistles, which is 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and the book of Titus, they don't fit into a specific historical framework according to the book of Acts. And they were probably written after his first Roman imprisonment, which is where the book of Acts concludes. And so, 1 Timothy probably written around the year 63 or maybe 64, um, which would be the time of Paul's fourth missionary journey, if such a journey happened. He had left Timothy behind in Ephesus to um, command certain people not to teach certain doctrines. And from the writing of 1 Timothy, some of the details that come out really highlight for us that Timothy was dealing with the early stages of what we call Gnosticism. Uh, Gnosticism, that's G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M. Gnosticism, which is this idea of hidden knowledge. And the basic precepts of Gnosticism, although it sounds a little fuzzy when you start dealing with it, the first thing that we have to understand is that Gnosticism itself is not a rigid school of thought, but rather an approach, um, a framework in which other thoughts uh, find their place, so to speak. But the basic concept and the starting point of Gnosticism, which influences every other element that might be you know, included in Gnosticism, is this concept that, that the spiritual world, the non-material world, the things that we cannot see, is good in and of itself. And the material or the physical world is bad. It's just a good and bad. Um, the spirit is good. The body is bad. The spirit and the spiritual world is good. And the material world around us is bad. And this affects the entire viewpoint and the entire understanding of all creation. That if creation is seen as something bad, and the body is seen as something bad, and the spirit is something good, then there can be no such thing as original sin. There cannot be anything such as my own personal moral infraction against holy God. Um, And the entire purpose then is to attain some higher level of spirituality, a higher understanding that frees and distances me from my my body and from the world and from the vocations that I have been given, the responsibilities in this world, because those all take a backseat to the spiritual and to the spiritual understanding. And so we see that in that idea of Gnosticism, then redemption, so to speak, is in being freed from the material world and attaining some higher knowledge. And where this really comes into play in our world today, um, you would probably see it most clearly when people talk about human sexuality, that in my body, biologically, I am a male, but in my inner being, in my in my person, um, I feel like I am a different gender. I think that would be a good example of Gnosticism and Gnostic thought in our world today, because it creates this unnatural and um, this unreal division between spiritual world and physical world. And we understand that as people, we are humans with a soul. But the purpose of of Jesus' coming wasn't just to save your soul and give you heaven so that you can bounce on the clouds for all eternity. The purpose of Jesus' coming was so that at the end of time, you would be raised from the dead and you would live before God forever in heaven, body and soul. So 
you are a united person, body and soul. And so that's kind of in the background. Um, as Paul is writing to Timothy here, he's addressing certain elements of that heresy and that false idea, which are creeping in there around Ephesus. And Timothy has been left behind to be the pastor there for a while, while Paul is away, you know, in prison in Rome or going off on another missionary journey. And Paul writes to him, um, Timothy had been uh, accompanied him on at least one or two missionary journeys. Remember, he met him, he met Timothy during his first missionary journey, and then had Timothy circumcised because Timothy's father was a Greek. And so all that is kind of the background. This is toward the end of, of Paul's writing, toward the end of Paul's life. He would probably be put to death, you know, two, maybe three years after this is written. And Second Timothy is going to be the final letter that Paul will write. Anyway, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, that should suffice for some introduction today. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you while I was going to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, so that you may command certain men not to teach any different doctrines, or pay any attention to myths and endless genealogies that bring about aimless speculations rather than God's plan, which centers in faith. The goal of this command is love, that comes from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. By veering away from these things, some have turned aside into meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, although they do not comprehend what they are saying or the things they so strongly affirm. Now we know that the law is good as long as one uses it correctly, keeping in mind that the law is not laid down for a righteous person, but for lawless and rebellious people, for godless people and sinners, for unholy and worldly people, for those who kill their fathers and those who kill their mothers, for murderers, for sexually immoral people, for homosexuals, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and for whatever else is opposed to sound teaching, in keeping with the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I was entrusted. I give thanks to the one who empowered me, namely Christ Jesus our Lord, that he treated me as trustworthy, appointing me into his ministry. He did this even though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man. But I was shown mercy, because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. The grace of our Lord overflowed on me, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and worthy of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But I was shown mercy for this reason, that in me, the worst sinner, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his unlimited patience as an example for those who are going to believe in him, resulting in eternal life. Now to the King Eternal, to the Immortal, Invisible, Only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I am entrusting this instruction to you, Timothy, my child, according to the prophecies about you which were made earlier, so that by them you may fight the good fight, with faith and with a good conscience. By rejecting these, some people have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith, including Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I handed over to Satan so that they might be taught not to blaspheme. This is the word of our God. The book of 1 Timothy neatly falls into three major sections. Um, this first section beginning after the introduction, the, the greeting in verses 1 and 2, uh, the first section begins in chapter 1, verse 3, and is going to go through the end of chapter 3. And um, 
when we look at each of these sections, each of them begins with a not necessarily a detailed description of the different doctrine, but Paul highlights definitely what the tendency is, and he highlights what the the wrong thing is about this different doctrine that Timothy is supposed to be com- combating. Um, and what we see here in this first chapter is that this doctrine is, first of all, it's speculative, that it's a human search for knowledge. It is looking and looking and looking and not looking where God has spoken. It is this human search for knowledge. And the contrast is that God's word enters into and shapes people's lives and is received and applied through faith in a grateful and obedient way. And then secondly, the second thing about this doctrine that, that Timothy is supposed to combat is that it is, it is argumentative and is very talkative, has lots of words, um, but leads to all sorts of empty discussion and, you know, maybe flowery words, but really empty words, which lead nowhere and bring about nothing good. Whereas Paul and Timothy, by extension, um, they have solid and practical goals, namely faith in a God who saves and forgives, uh, the good conscience of the forgiven person, a pure heart of devotion to the one who has saved us and forgiven us, love which grows in that sincere faith and the good conscience. And so then the the final point that Paul makes here in the opening of chapter one is that this different teaching is a different gospel, so to speak, and therefore no gospel at all. The ones who propose this teaching desire to be teachers of the law, and they want the things that only God can create through his word. And so just looking at that section, that's um, the first major paragraph. If you're looking at following along in a Bible, either in the app or, um, or your paper Bible at home, if you look at uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 10, or 3 through 11, that is the, the major section where Paul really highlights the things that are wrong with this teaching, as well as a little bit later especially, how does Timothy combat this false teaching? Looking at verses 3 and 4, um, the first element that we talked about is different doctrine, and verse 4, um, myths and endless genealogies that bring about aimless speculation aimless speculation. They keep thinking and trying to figure out the purpose of life and figure out their place in life. And God's word is not a place for aimless speculation. God's word is is sure and certain, and it's logical, and it is indeed above our logic. It is um, above the human capacity to fully understand, but that does not mean it is not understandable. God's word is certainly understandable, where he accommodates himself to our language, and he provides a way for us to, to learn, and he sends his Holy Spirit to create faith and to make us grow in that, in that faith. And so that's the contrast in verse 5. The goal of this command is love that comes from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. That love is the response of the sanctified heart, a response that God himself creates. Then verses 6 and 7 is where we have the second element, veering aside from these things. They turn aside to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law. And I think what we really recognize there is that everything apart from the gospel is really a matter of the law. If you look through the self-help section of a bookstore or you listen to another podcast that talks about how to improve this or that element of your life, you'll recognize that it is an element of the law. That by nature, yes, we recognize that God has created an orderly world and that God's law, um, both in his order and in his demands, those are written on the heart as well as evident through nature itself. They want to be teachers of the law. They want to tell people how to live, but they do not. They don't know what they are saying. 
And Paul says, well, we do know that the law is good as long as you use it correctly, but the law is not made for a righteous person. The law is made for those who oppose that law. And that's the place that Paul really wraps up in the rest of this chapter. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And what Timothy is really dealing with is that he is dealing with people who deny the reality of sin, who try to excuse sin and redefine sin as something that does not apply to them or that is not happening today. And in its place, the conscience is still active. The the law of God is still active. And so they have to deal with the, the conscience and they have to address the law in some way, shape, or form. And the way they do that is pr- by providing guidelines and guidance and saying, this is what you should do, this is what you should refrain from, and this is how you can feel better about yourself. That's the bottom line. And that is no gospel at all. Because the gospel truth, which Timothy has to reiterate and which Timothy has to oppose the false doctrine there, especially at Ephesus, uh, the gospel truth is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, body and soul. That is, Christ Jesus came into the world for you and for me. Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raised with Jesus podcast. We'll see you tomorrow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't, or hit that share button if you know somebody who would benefit from our podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. God bless your day.